0: This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. We do not truly believe in the sovereignty of God.
1: Because I truly don't understand one of two things. Either the greatness of His love for me or the abundance of His riches to be able to accomplish All that he's designed. I can think, oh yeah, I know God loves me, but man, the fix I'm in, the situation that I'm in, (laughs) there's there's just no way that's going to work out. Beloved, you're shortchanging God. You're putting the lid on the box.
0: Today, Pastor David will be continuing his teaching on how you as a believer are secure in his victory. The Lord is sovereign over all the circumstances in your life. He will work all things together for good. God is going to work in ways that you will not be pleased with, in ways that you don't understand, and in ways you won't have the answer for. You have to trust and know that God is working those things out for your good. You may not know how or why until you're on the other side of eternity. Now here's David in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 30, with the conclusion of our message entitled, Secure in His Victory.
1: We as a nation are guilty of killing future prophets and future moms and future dads and future teachers and future preachers, future evangelists. We as a nation are guilty of killing through the lawful abortions that we have in our nation. Of killing off the future, even of our own nation. God knows God has planned, even human birth and destiny. Paul understood this. Paul understood this when he says in Galatians 1.15, he says, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, and he called me through his grace, he knew that before he was even born, God had called him. Even though most of his earlier life he spent an absolute rebellion against God as he pursued religion and God had to interrupt his life and say, no, it's not religion that I want, it's relationship that I want, Paul. And so God brought him into his kingdom and yet for much of his life he ran from God and yet Paul understood that before he was even born, God had called him for the very purpose that the end of his life was spent in fulfilling God is even in charge of human successes and failures. Jesus speaks to us in Luke chapter 1, verses 52 to 53. He says that God has put down the mighty from their thrones, and He's exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. It's God who's going to cause you to be a success, it's God who allows you to be a failure. Or perhaps even causes it. We can work as hard as we can. We can put our nose to the grindstone. We can put in as many hours of the day as we want to. But you know what, beloved? If we're not trusting and completely giving everything to God, it's to no avail. And God could say, son, you can work all you want, but you will never succeed until you release it. And just come and follow me and be obedient to me. God rises up. God brings down. God causes success, and God brings about failure. The protection of his people, and I I love this. In Psalm 3, verse 5, the psalmist declares that I lay down and sleep, and I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. You ever think about that? You wake up in the morning, and guess what? You woke up. You woke up. You, you kept breathing through the night, though you didn't have to worry and, and think about it. Your heart kept functioning through the night, though you didn't have to think, okay, I, I can't go to sleep yet because I've got to make sure that my heart's going to keep beating. I've got to make sure that I'm breathing all through the night. God has sustained me through the night. What a great and glorious understanding that is, is that I can sleep in peace. That I can rest in peace. Les Quinsler, who was uh, one of the seniors who were part of our ministry years ago. I used to love listening to Les and the testimony of his life in Christ. A senior man well up into his 80s. And I'd speak to him and say, how are you doing this morning, Brother Les? And he'd say, well, Pastor, I'm still smelling the posies and I'm not pushing them up. So that, that was the attitude of his life. You know, the, the Lord's given me another day. And, I, and I'm just living and I'm, and I'm excited about the reality that God has given me another day to rejoice and to serve Him. The psalmist also says in 4, eight, he says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. You alone make me dwell in safety. How many people, and in particular, believers... Every night as they go to bed, their thoughts and their minds are filled with the worry of the events of the day and the fears about tomorrow. And as every study you can look at speaks about the fears that we look at tomorrow, 80% of them never happen. And yet we spend our nights in turmoil, tossing and turning because of fear in our life. Rather than being able to sleep in the sweet peace of knowing that my God reigns and in his divine providence and in his sovereignty over all of his creation and in the greatness of his love for me i can rest in him i know i've got hell to face tomorrow but you know what i know that my god is with me and i'll be able to stand at those very gates and i'll be able to persevere not by cause of my strength not because of my armament but because of him working in me do you know what the stress and the anxiety does in your life the ulcers The stress attacks, the anxiety attacks that it does. You know what? A Christian ought never, ever, ever to have those things. And yet they're just as common in believers as they are in non-believers. Why is that? I believe because we do not truly believe in divine providence. We do not truly believe in the sovereignty of God. Because I truly don't understand one of two things. Either the greatness of His love for me or the abundance of his riches to be able to accomplish all that he's designed i can think oh yeah i know god loves me but man the fix i'm in the situation that i'm in (laughs) there's there's just no way that's going to work out beloved you're shortchanging god you're putting the lid on the box you're boxing him in it's when you and i understand that not only does he love me with an everlasting non-ending perfect love But the very resources of all of eternity are His. And He will work them even in my behalf. And in that, I can rest. I can sleep. And I can dwell in safety. Ah, but what happens if I die during the night? Then blessed be His name. (laughs) Blessed be His name. You don't have to face another battle. He's taking you home. The guy's like Stonewall Jackson. You know why and how he got his name? Because in battle, he would be able to run his horse sitting right up, right in front of his troops, right in the midst of the battle, with cannonballs flying by, with bullets going everywhere. And everybody thought, man, you are so brave. He says, no, bravery has nothing to do with it. I believe in the sovereignty of God, and I believe in divine providence. That if God does not want me dead, there's not a cannonball on this field, there's not a bullet on this field that will do harm to me. But yet if God does want me dead, I can be safely at home in my bed, and He can stop my heart. Is that the kind of life that you and I are living? Is that the kind of trust that we have, that in the midst of all these things, that as they work together, that I know, God, You are in charge, even though these things... Might not be pleasant. We read verses 29 and 30, the richness that's there. He says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. And whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. Beloved, there is a tremendous amount of power in these two small little verses. This is a nugget that is huge. It's monstrous. And we're not even going to be able to cover all the depth of what's there this morning. As a matter of fact, in the midst of this, there is a huge, huge battle. And some of you might have read this verse this morning and think, oh, oh man, now he's, he's, on, he's on treacherous ground right now. And if you're wanting to have the battle of what he's speaking here in this whole area of predestination, then be sure and be here when we're going through chapter 9 of Romans, the next chapter, because we will do battle at that point in time, but not this morning. But suffice it, To say this this morning, that I believe that the Calvinists with their five points and the Arminius with their seven points do misjustice to the Word of God because I believe that Calvinists discount the reality that there are choices that man makes, and I believe that the Arminius discounts the sovereignty of God, the power and the ability that he has to work within all of his creation. And I believe that as soon as I put God in a five point or a seven point box or volumes of whatever, as soon as I put him in that box I make myself a nice manageable deity and he's going to work within my framework and my understanding beloved it's time for us to blow the top off the box and understand that God is going to work in ways that I'm not pleased with in ways that I don't understand in ways that I may never have the answer for And one of the things I forgot to share with you earlier is this whole idea of the workings, of the outcomes, of the ingredients in our lives. You may never know the outcome of it. This side of glory. You may never know the joy of knowing, oh, that turmoil that I went through in my life. Now I see the answer. You may never ever know that, this side of glory. But you have to trust and know that God is working those things out for good. Rest in that. Well, let's look at these things. These These five words that he foreknew, he predestined, he called, he justified, he glorified, some look at these as a chain of bondage. It says God has put this chain of bondage there, this predestination thing, this foreknowledge thing that I can no longer have a choice and I don't have a choice and God is forcing me to be doing this thing in my life. But beloved, that's not what it's about at all and I love what Henry Ironside says about this, that these five declarations are five links of the chain that join together eternally Eternity past with eternity future. And you cannot... You cannot do without any of these links because again, it is the work of God and we need to grasp hold of this whether we understand their fullness or not we need to understand that they are real and true. The first one is he foreknew and very simply, foreknew comes from a Greek word pro Prognosko, pro pro meaning beforehand and gonosco or gonosco meaning to know that he knew beforehand. That is not that God looked down to the corridor of time and found that I would come to a saving knowledge of Christ and therefore since I did then now He foreknows that I'm going to become a believer. I've heard that description before and beloved, I don't see that within the Word. I see a much clearer understanding of the foreknowledge of God. You and I see every day in the immediate, right now, what's happening here today because we are stuck in time. Time is a factor in every one of our lives, and we understand and we see things only as they are happening and the vague remembrance of what has gone on in the past. And yet our God, is He is, as it were, up in the Goodyear blimp, looking over the entire parade. And He sees the parade from the beginning to the end, all at one glance. And you and I, we can only stand there, and at this time, I see the Shriners. (laughs) And at this time, I see the sheriff's posse on the horses. Or they've just left and I see the mess of all of that. (laughs) Or right now, at this time, the clowns are here. And I'm trying to make sense of it all. Because I'm stuck in time and place. God, who is outside of time and outside of place, sees all of it at the same time. That's how he foreknew. Because... There is no past. There is no present. It's the reality of what is that God sees. That's why He can speak of you and I as being completely sanctified when you know yourself that you've got a long way to go in the flesh. And yet He looks at us and says, No, she's holy in my sight. And you think, Oh man, no I'm not. I've got a long way to go. Oh yes, you are. Because it's complete in Him. This other word, predestination, It's the doctrine which declares the eternal, sovereign, immutable, and the unconditional decree or determinate purpose of God that governs all events. Beloved, that is a huge, huge understanding of what predestination is. God is God. And He will continue to be God over all of His creation. And you and I need to understand that. But the problem that we have with predestination is that many times we don't like that. We don't like the fact that I don't have certain choices and that I can't make my own uh, design and purposes along the way. Well, I can understand that. And so I would encourage you that you would go throughout all of your Bible. And as you go throughout your Bible, just cut out those places that deal with predestination. You've got to begin in Genesis. You've got to go all through the Pentateuch. You've got to go on in through the Psalms. You've got to go through the Prophets and cut it all out. And when you're done with the Old Testament, you're not done yet. So now move on into the New Testament and start cutting out every place that deals with predestination. And beloved, those are the verses that just simply point to it, not speaking of the overall general aspect of it. So you don't like predestination? Then cut it out of your Bible, and your Bible will end up like Swiss cheese and it won't make any sense from beginning to end the only way that the end makes sense is to know that God who started it all is in charge of it all and still controls it all until he brings it to that end called there's both that universal and the effectual call of God God has proclaimed himself to all of creation, yet only to those who heed that call is salvation granted, thus becoming the effectual call. When God calls out, whosoever will may come. When God has revealed, just as Romans says, his nature and the reality of himself to all of creation. Romans tells that in chapter 1. We know that there is that universal call. God's not hiding himself from anyone, but that universal call becomes the effectual call of God when man heeds that call and responds to it. Then it becomes effectual in bringing them into the kingdom and into the work of God in their life. The next one is justification, and justification we dealt with earlier on in Romans. And justification is the same uh, uh, definition that we used before. It's that by which God pardons all the sins of those who believe in Christ making declaration that all the claims of the law are satisfied in respect of the justified. What do you mean by all that, Pastor? That means that Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left that crimson stain but He washed it white as snow. I stand in Him justified, complete. The simplistic definition of it is just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. But it's the reality that yes you did sin but Jesus paid for it. And that becomes effectual in your life when you by faith Come to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then you can stand before him justified, not because you didn't sin, but because in your sin yet you turn to Christ who paid for your sin, and you receive that completed work of Calvary. That's when that justification comes and it takes place in your life. And if you've not done that, I implore you, You cannot stand before God on your good deeds, on your good morals, on your good actions, because they fall so short of the holiness of Almighty God. It's only when you and I stand before Him, justified in Christ, that we can truly understand the forgiveness of our sin and we're ushered into His presence. The last one there, glorified. That's the consummation of that ongoing work of sanctification in our lives. The ultimate end of our earthly spiritual journey will be glorified. What an awesome reality that is. That right now this ongoing process of our spiritual life is happening. But you know what? There will come that day when we will be glorified. What does that mean to be glorified? That means we're going to be shedding off this carcass. That means we're getting rid of this tent. That's when this mortal puts off mortality, and I gain immortality. This corruption puts off corruption, and I gain incorruption. And I can stand before Him. And what a glorious time that is. Oh, the glorious work of God in the life of the believer. All that God wants to do in each one of our lives... Not at all, because we deserve it. Because not a one of us deserve it. Not a one of us. And yet God, in the richness of his love toward us, sent Christ to die for us. To become the payment of our sin. That we could now have fellowship with him. That we could enter into the richness of the glories of our King. Why would we deny that? Why would we... Pull away from that. Why would we shun that? God has it for us to press in to Him, to press into Him, to understand the richness of the salvation and the calling that is ours in Christ Jesus. Paul understood that when he wrote in Corinthians, in First Corinthians, he wrote, "As it's written," he quotes Isaiah here: "Eye has not seen and ear has not heard." Neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things which God has prepared for those who love Him. In the mix of all the turmoil and the trauma and the pain and the agony and the fear and the misunderstandings of life. Oh, you can't imagine the glory that yet awaits us. You can't even begin to suppose those things. You and I, in our limited imagination, there's no way that we could grasp that other than to know, oh, what a blessed glory awaits those who trust in Him, in that divine providence, in the sovereignty, in the might, in the power of Almighty God. Jada understood it also, and we've used this verse a couple of times in this series. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, John writes again, Brother, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Amen. Amen. There's no way we can look today and say, okay, now I'm starting to understand. No, uh -uh. it hasn't quite been revealed yet what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What do you mean we shall be like him? No, don't think that you're going to be another little god in another little universe. That's not what he's speaking. We shall be like him because we will be in glory. That glorified state that even you and I will be able to experience. The promise that He has that through all that's going on, you that He foreknew, you that He predestined, you that He called, you that He justified, you will be glorified. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know this, that we shall be like Him. For then we'll see Him as He is. There's no way to understand All that we go through in this life right now. But beloved, when all things are final, when all things are final, the result is splendid. It's absolutely wonderful. The beating of the egg, the dryness of the flour, the perceived sweetness and yet the bitterness even of the vanilla. All these things join together because our God knows the recipe. He formed and fashioned it. And we can only see a part at a time. Therefore, you and I need to know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. You may be in the midst of something today that's just ripping you inside out. You don't know how you're going to face tomorrow or the future. Know this, that God knows. And He's calling you simply to trust Him. To be bold enough to trust in faith. The one who created you. Who formed you. Who fashioned you. And has a plan and a purpose for you. How foolish we are if we're not willing to trust Him. The arm of flesh will fail you. But he'll never fail you. And if you don't know by faith the forgiveness of your sin in Christ, that's the first thing you've got to take care of.
0: If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What does it mean to confess with the mouth and believe? Well, Pastor David will answer these questions and more as he teaches through the Book of Romans. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to www.theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the Open Word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for worship on Saturday evenings, Sunday mornings, or Wednesday evenings. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Finally, we want to encourage you to follow us on Twitter at The Open Word Radio. Or log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link right there on the homepage. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with David Landry. Please join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the Book of Romans. That's next time on The Open Word.